Hello, listeners. Um, welcome back to MC Rulio. Here we are, and we're looking at the Stresemann years. Okay, so 1923, coming off the back of the year of three crises, absolutely horrendous times for Weimar. Um, you've got chaos in the economy, and you've got political unrest. President Ebert, very, very concerned about the future for Germany. It's not looking good. So he decides to appoint someone new, bring someone else in as chancellor. Now, whoever this person was going to be, they were going to have a lot of problems. They were going to be very, very stressed. So who else could you turn to but Stressy Man himself, Stresemann. So, uh, in 1923, Stresemann was brought in to be the new chancellor towards the end of 1923. And although he's only chancellor until 1924... He does hold important jobs in the government right up until 1929. He serves for a very long time as Foreign Secretary. So we're looking at what Stresemann did here between 1924 and 1929 to turn Germany around. Okay, so the first thing you need to know is that he had the support of both left and right wing moderates. So none of the extremist nutters supported him, obviously they were extreme. But the people just on the left, just on the right, they supported him. This was very unusual so far because up until now, chancellors had not had much support generally. Um, so we're going to explore the Stresemann years, we're going to look at what he did to improve key areas in Germany. First though we need to understand the problems that Germany faced, and here they are. Straight in at number one this week, the economy was in ruins. And as you remember hopefully from the three crises, the currency had become worthless. So that was probably the big thing he needed to deal with. Number two, uh, on the charts now for many many years, limits from the Treaty of Versailles. Reparations, loss of land, all the stuff that went along with the Treaty of Versailles. Big, long-running problems. And then bubbling away in the background, you've got point number three, bad relations with the Allies. Getting to a war with, with people doesn't really tend to build bridges, does it? So coming off the back of World War One, we're only a few years, five years from the end of World War One, things are a little bit tense still, shall we say. And then number four, political instability. People weren't too chuffed with the job that Weimar had done, and thus there was lots of antagonism, lots of violence, and we looked at that in a previous radio broadcasty sort of chat, didn't we? Okay, so those are the problems. What did he do to address them? Let's start off with the biggie. Number one, economy. Okay, so just been put in charge of Germany as the Chancellor, November 1923, Stresemann scrapped the old currency, literally burned the old notes and instead replaced it with a new currency, the Rentenmark. And control of this new currency was given to the Reichsbank. So a new bank, German National Bank, was set up in 1924, and they were given control of the currency, taking it a little bit out of the hands of politicians and more towards economists, people who actually knew what they were doing. And this created more confidence both in Germany and abroad in other countries. But the big thing he did, really, was the Dawes Plan, 1924. An American banker, Charlie G. Dawes, well, he was asked to look at the reparations issue. Obviously, none of the Allies were getting their reparations money because Germany was in such a big pot of poo-poo. So, Charlie Dawes went to Germany to try and sort the problem out. And this was his plan. He reduced payments so that each year they didn't have to pay as much in reparations. But the key thing was the USA lent money to Germany. And Germany then used this money to invest into their industry, build up businesses, so that they could then get the economy going again. And 
it brought an end to passive resistance in the Ruhr. The Germans, Germans could start repaying the reparations and the French then left. So in the short term, the plan worked. Industrial output doubled between 1923 and 1928. Foreign trade increased. Employment rose. And the German government was able to earn more from taxation as a result. Good work, Georgie Dawes. Oh no, George Dawes is off shooting stars. I mean, Charles Dawes. Okay, young plan, 1929. In his last year of life, Strassman pulled this one out of the fire. It reduced the reparations to two billion. Remember, it had been at six uh, billion something or another. It's now at two billion. Uh, Germany was also given another 59 years to pay them off, which meant that the taxes on the German citizens could be reduced because they didn't have to raise the money so quickly. And as a result, this meant that more Germans had more money in their pocket that wasn't all going into taxation. So as a result of this, there was more money being spent, more goods therefore needing to be produced. So business flourished again, which led to more output and more employment. Good work. Mr Young, who came up with the Young Plan. And the only slight drawback of this was that the payments were due to last until 1988. Hmm, quite a while. Okay, so... Next problem, looking at the Treaty of Versailles. A big thing that Strassman did here was the Locarno Pact of 1925. This was a treaty between Germany, Britain, France, Italy and Belgium. Germany basically agreed to honour its western borders, stick to what they'd been told under the Treaty of Versailles. And in return, well, the Allies agreed to leave the Rhineland. And Germany was allowed to join the League of Nations in 1926. Remember, when the League was first set up, Germany was told, you are not to come here until you can prove you can behave yourself. And with this, they proved that they could behave themselves. At least for a little while. Okay, um, this then leads into the third thing, which is about rebuilding relations with the Allies. Obviously, Locarno and joining the League helped to do so. But there was one other thing they did as well. They joined the Kellogg-Briand Pact of 1928. 65 countries signed this, and they agreed to settle disputes peacefully. Ah, how lovely. But remember, in the words of Boyzone, It's only words, and words are all I have. Yeah, it's only words. There was nothing in the treaty about what would happen if anyone broke it. Look out. Hitler in the 1930s. Okay, number four. Fourth problem Straceman faced, remember, was political stability. Good old Straceman sort of sorted this one out a little bit as well. Votes for extremists dropped. With the improvements in the economy, um, people were, became generally a bit more satisfied with the work of government, and so they didn't need to vote for these nutcases. The Nazis only won 12 seats in the 1928 election, and between 1924 and 1928, there weren't any elections. There was an election in 24, in fact there were two in 1924, and then the next one was in 1928. So you've gone for three or four years without an election in Germany. That's the biggest period of stability they had. In some years they had two elections, or elections in consecutive years. So the Straßmann years represented a real high point for political stability. And as a result, Germans weren't fixated on anger and violence and political revolution, so they settled down to drawing pretty pictures and writing some music. German culture flourished. Art, cinema, music. There's generally a much more liberal approach. However, it wasn't all good. Unemployment remained high. There was underlying unemployment that couldn't be shifted. Some people hated the new culture, like the Van der Vogel movement. They said it was immoral. It went against traditional German values. 
and some people felt that Stresemann had betrayed the country by cozying up to the Allies and joining the League, their hated League of Nations, and agreeing to stick to the Treaty of Versailles. Boo, hiss, Mr. Stresemann. So, in summary then, let's think about just what Stresemann achieved. He'd restored economic stability. He'd regained a place for Germany on the international stage. He'd kept the support of moderate parties on the left and right. And he was steering Weimar out of its troubled early years. Not bad, really. However, October 1929 wasn't so good. It started on the 3rd of October with Stresemann dying. And um, probably just as well he did, because he wouldn't have wanted to be around for the 29th of October. The Wall Street Crash. Uh-oh. Talking about that roller coaster again. It went up buddy up up, didn't it, under Stresemann? And now it goes down dee down down. Down down. 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 You get the idea. Okay, that's pretty much it, I think, for the Stresemann years. Tune in next time to hear about the Wall Street Crash and the Great Depression. Ooh, bet you can't wait. Bye.